0: It's Wednesday 10th of September 2014. This is HBR episode 1593 entitled, Why C++? And is part of the series, Programming 101. It is hosted by Garjola and is about 12 minutes long. Feedback can be sent to garjola at or by leaving a comment on this episode. The summary is, Introduction to the C++ Programming Language Main Features.
1: This episode of HBR is brought to you by, AnHonestHost.com.
0: Hi, my name is Gargiola and you are listening to a contribution to HPR. This is episode 4 of the programming language series and is entitled Why C++? In the previous episode of this series, HPR 1330, I introduced the C programming language. C++ is described as a better C by its inventor, Bjarne Strustrup. So many of the things presented in the episode about C apply also to C++. Actually, most of C code is valid C++ and can be compiled as such. C++ was first introduced in the late 70s and was first called C with classes, since C++ was designed to provide similar facilities for program organization together with C's efficiency and flexibility for systems programming. The class concept, with derived classes and virtual functions, was borrowed from the similar programming language. C++ supports different programming styles. Procedural and imperative styles due to its closeness to C, object orientation with classes, virtual functions and inheritance, generic programming through templates, functional programming through function objects. Let's have a look at these different items. Procedural and imperative styles. The C style. C++ has the same tools as C for imperative programming, so there are the classical control flow mechanisms such as for and while loops, if statements, etc. C++ supports procedural programming via functions, which are like C functions but with more strict type checking of the arguments. Unlike C, function arguments can be passed by reference, which is like passing a pointer to the object, but using the same syntax as if the object itself was passed. This allows to pass large objects without copying them as with pointers, but the programmer can choose to declare the reference as constant so that the object can't be modified inside the function. Object orientation C with classes. C++ has classes which are composite types, that is, they can contain other objects like c-structs, but they can also have associated methods or member functions. At first object orientation in C++ can be seen as very similar to Java's or Python's in terms of what a class can contain and how it is used. The main difference is that C++ uses value semantics. In clear When a variable of a given class is created, in C++, it is a value, like an integer or a double. In Java or Python, this is not the case. In these languages, what you get is a reference to an object, not the object itself, and therefore, you can't manage memory as you would want to, and the garbage collector is needed in order to free memory when the object is not used anymore. In C++, you can choose to have an object, which is the default behavior, And in this case, like an integer or a double, it will be allocated on the heap or on the stack and be deallocated automatically when it goes out of scope, typically at the end of the block, when a closing curly brace is found. So there is no need for garbage collector, since no garbage is generated. On the other hand, you can choose to use pointers to objects, and then the objects are allocated in the free store and the programmer is responsible for freeing the memory. C++ offers multiple inheritance, unlike Java, and virtual functions, like Java. C++ also offers operator overloading. This means that arithmetic operators, like plus for addition or asterisk for multiplication, can be redefined for each class. This is useful, for instance, for a matrix class. Other operators, like the square brackets and the arrow operator, can also be overloaded. Generic programming. Templates and the STL. Generic programming can be used in C++ thanks to templates. Class templates are classes defined in terms of generic types. That is, a class can contain an object of type T, which is not defined. All code, like member functions, etc. can be written in terms of this generic type. When a programmer wants to use this class template, She has to say which is the concrete type that will be used instead of t. This is very useful when algorithms are exactly the same for different data types like integers, floating point numbers, etc. In languages which don't support generic programming, the same algorithm has to be rewritten for every different type. Or the programmer has to choose the better type, for some definition of better, for which to write the algorithm. In C++ there are also Function Templates, which are functions defined in terms of generic types. The mechanism behind templates generates at compile time the code for the concrete types, which will be as efficient as handwritten code for this type. C++ comes with the Standard Template Library, the STL, which provides generic containers and generic algorithms. Generic containers are containers like vectors, lists, etc., whose elements are generic, like integers, doubles, strings, and any other type or class. Generic algorithms are algorithms which operate on generic types, like integers, doubles, strings, or any other type or class. These algorithms operate on ranges inside the container so they are the same for a vector of ints or for a list of doubles. These ranges are defined by iterators, which are like pointers or coordinates inside the container. In this way, if you have n types of containers and m different algorithms, you don't have to write n times m versions of the code, but just n plus m. Therefore, less code to write and maintain. I am a huge fan of templates. Functional programming. Functional programming is not just programming using functions, but rather using functions as first class citizens. That means being able to pass functions as arguments to other functions and return them as results. In C, one can achieve this by using pointers to functions, but this is risky and ugly in terms of function signature. In C++, we can define functions as being types, and therefore, they can be used as arguments to and return values from other functions. The way of creating a function type, in C++ we call them function objects or functors, is to create a class and use operator overloading. In the same way as plus can be overloaded in a matrix class, the open close parenthesis operator can be overloaded and therefore if for example my is an object of the class f where the operator has been overloaded we can use my open close parenthesis like a normal function call and therefore now we can define functions which take or return objects of class f and implement functional programming The STL uses, extensively, function objects in order to tune the behavior of algorithms. For example, the STL findif algorithm returns the position of the first element in a container for which a particular condition is true. It takes as one of its arguments the function which will be used to test if the elements of the container verify a given condition. Conclusion As far as I know, C++ offers the best trade-off between efficiency and abstraction level. Since C++ can be as efficient as C, I don't see any reason to use C for a new programming project. Learning C is still useful if one needs to modify existing code, however, if one wants to use an existing C library in a new project, C++ seems a better choice, since C++ can be linked to C library. I still would recommend using Python or a similar language like say, Ruby, for simple scripts or for cases when an interpreted language is needed. The recent C++11 and C++14 versions of the language, which is, by the way, an ISO standard, have introduced many new features which make the use of C++ easier, and this is giving a sort of renaissance to the language. Nowadays, added to its classical uses in systems programming and scientific applications, C++ is starting to be used in mobile applications. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. If you want to send me any feedback, you can get in touch with me by email at, garjola at garjola.net. Garjola is spelled G-A-R-J-O-L-A. Thanks for listening and talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.